Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Verse 20. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. That'll make you cautious about being a best man, right? Something happens during the wedding and the groom takes off. Best man, you're it. Just step in. Say the I do's. No way, man. We got to pause for a second here. Regather. In our quest to understand God, right? We do. We, we live this life wanting to understand who God is. In our quest to understand God, we tend to reduce him down to our capacity of understanding. Our sense of fairness is what I often say. We want to put him into confines that we understand in our limited capacity, right? The spirit, we want God to fit into our box. And if he doesn't fit in our mental box that we've constructed for him, then we're not sure what really to do with him. So whenever the spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon Samson to do what? To go kill 30 men. So you guys don't even want to answer it. The spirit of the Lord came upon Samson to go kill 30 men. We immediately have this thing of like, this doesn't fit into our theology. So let's just make it a Bible story about how Samson tells a riddle and then his wife tells the answer and he gets real upset. And let's just kind of leave it at that. Let's not put in there that the spirit of the Lord is who came upon him, that he went and killed 30 men, stole their clothes to pay off his bad riddle because of his yappy traitor wife. Right? That's what happened. It doesn't fit our theology. Chapter 15. Later on, we're skipping forward. So Samson goes home to live with mom and dad because the wedding didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. So later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife, his wife that's still in Timnah. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her. It's been however long. And now he shows up with a goat and says, I would like to go into her room. But her father wouldn't let him. Good for dad. Verse 2, I truly thought you must hate her, her father exclaimed, explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Wow. Wow. There for a minute, I liked dad. Now I don't like dad at all. What a punk. <laughs> you tried to marry the older daughter. You ran off on her because you called her a heifer and maybe she was being a heifer. Who knows? <laughs> but take my second daughter. No big deal. We'll just line them up. You can marry them all. Whatever. Verse 3. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for For everything I am going to do to you Philistines. He announced he's fixing to wreak havoc on them. Then he went out and caught. This may be my favorite part of the story of Samson because it's just visual. Then he went out and he caught 300 foxes. Have you ever tried to catch a fox? We did at our house because, you know, you have a fox go through the yard like get a trap. Let's see if we can catch it. It'll be fun. And Brendan caught it. It took several days, took lots of figuring it out because they're smart. 
Catching 300 foxes? I don't know that our culture fully appreciates how cool that is. He went out and he caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs. Imagine this. Two foxes together, ties their tails together. He fastened a torch to each of the tails. And then he lit the torches and let the foxes run throughout the grain fields of the Philistines. (laughs) Suckers. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. I mean, you have 300 foxes paired up with torches in their tail. They're just running frantically and fires just spreading everywhere. Who did this, the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. So sometimes, as we read through the Old Testament, and we see that Israel did not obliterate the people who lived there after God told them to, Men, women, and children was God's instructions. And our compassionate heart says, well, they shouldn't do that. Kill them just because they're there. That's not fair. These are evil people. These are bad people, and God wants them wiped out because God does not want these evil pagan people intermarrying or influencing his people. His people are set aside, dedicated, set apart for holiness. Are you with me? So he doesn't want the influence of the Philistines because they're like, I don't know. We, we were mean to Samson. Samson was mean to us. So now we're going to kill our own people, a father and a daughter, just because Samson's being a jerk. Verse 7. Because you did this, Samson vowed, because... Because the Philistines killed his father-in-law and his, his wife. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. And then he went to, to live in a cave in the rock of Etom. Edom. Edom is the way it's pronounced. The Philistines retaliated. Just back and forth by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out uh, near the town of uh, Lehi, I get all excited and then I can't think through pronouncing words. <clears throat> the men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? You keep me track of the people of Judah. That would be the people who are Israelite people. The people of Judah say to the Philistines, why are you attacking us? We didn't do anything to you. The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. Because he set a whole bunch of, of foxes loose and he burned down our whole country with a bunch of foxes. <clears throat> So now we're going to get him. Verse 11. So 3,000 men of Judah, not Philistia, Judah. These were not Philistine armies going to get Samson. This was the armies of Judah. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to Samson to get Samson at the cave in the rock at Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? This is the state that Israel is in because they did not drive the Philistines out. They didn't kill them. So now the state of Israel is, don't you realize that the Philistines rule over us here in God's promised land? It's pathetic and they're fine with it. What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. Because that's a very mature answer, right? 
That's what you expect your six-year-old to say to the eight-year-old. He hit me first. Verse 12. But the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. Verse 13. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the spirit of the Lord, are you picturing this? The, the, the men of Judah bring Samson up. He's all tied up really tight. Right? All the people. <laughs> I know Tom, Thomas is laughing because he's like, I'm going to get that on the video. Make a little clip. They're bringing Samson up. All the, all the Philistines are all, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. They're shouting in triumph. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. And he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax. And they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. Pardon me. He picked it up and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. And we like to tell that story. That's fun. That's great. That's cool. Verse 16. Then Samson said with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. There's a nice ring to it. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Verse 18. Yeah. Samson was now very thirsty. He'd been working hard out in the hot sun, killing Philistines this afternoon, breaking two new ropes. He's thirsty. So he cries out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. I think that that's telling. How did God accomplish this victory? By the strength of your servant. God, you can thank me now. Wow. Again, not principles of Christian living from the life of Samson. You've accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Where, 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 where? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named the place the spring of the one who cried out, because I'm the one who cried out. And it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period uh, when the Philistines dominated the land, here's the deal. Samson was not a law-abiding, God-glorifying saint. Samson was a sinner. Was he judge appointed by God over Israel? Yes, he was. Yet God used Samson, even though he was not really a faithful follower of God. He was a lawbreaker. Samson was a sinner. God still used him. Does that mess with your theology at all? I'm not sure what to do with it. We'll see if we can figure it out at the end. First, pardon me, point number three. Section number three of the story of Samson, we have secret Samson. You guys just got an image in your head, didn't you? Samson with a little red hat with a little white ball on it. Secret Samson. Samson. Wow. 
Hey, if we could bring some coffee in here, that would be good. You guys just bring the, bring the air pot around. We'll just... Samson has successfully kept a secret from the Philistines until right now. And after this, it's going to be the not-so-secret Samson. See, I thought that was right there. Judges 16. Here we go. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night uh, with the prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together. Because Gaza is in Philistia, they're going to... They're going to kill him. They don't like Samson. They gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept uh, quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of the morning comes, we'll kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts. He lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and he carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. It's spectacular. Verse 4. Sometime later, you see in that this, this incredible potential in Samson. Does his potential ever get used for the glory of God? Yes, but boy, it's intermittently. He has problems. Verse 4, sometime later, Samson fell in love with another woman, a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah being Samson's little sweetheart. She goes to Samson and said, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. <laughs> no. Samson replied, oh, sweetie, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have never been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Does at any point Samson say, Why? <laughs> I'm not claustrophobic, but you're not going to tie me up. Yeah, you want to tie me up? Sure, just tie me up. I don't know, whatever. No. No, 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 Samson replied. If I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah, being the faithful little girlfriend, she took new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, you're making fun of me, 
and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. So Samson replied, (laughs) he's a genius. If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, I'm betraying you. No, that's not what she said. Samson... It seems pretty obvious. I don't know that it needs to be said. Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you because I tied you up again. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted. Seems like we've been here before with Samson, right? Get a little tear, and he's all, okay, whatever. Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day. You know what's stronger than Samson? Nagging wife. (laughs) Until he was sick to death of it. Pretty dramatic story, is it? He's like, if she doesn't leave me alone, I'm going to (laughs) die. You're Samson. Break the ropes. No, she's overwhelming me. Verse 17. We, we use this in premarriage counseling all the time. I'm kidding. We don't. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to the Lord as, an, as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved... My strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Again, we have this moment of how do we fit this into our understanding of who God is. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind wheat in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Telling his secret is not really the big deal here. It is just that after three times of this lady calling the Philistines on him, well, he's just being a dummy, right? What did he think she was up to? Samson may not be the smartest Israelite, but God used Samson. Why would God not use the smart guy? God used Samson. God used Samson. 
I don't know. I can't answer all those questions. But Samson was obviously not the smartest guy. He was not the most moral guy. He was not the sinless guy. He wasn't most of the things that we deem as important. Samson was not. He was a goofball. He was just strong when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, which still does not make sense in the story of Samson. Are you with me? It doesn't fit. Number four, sacrificial Samson. Oh, I still got 10 pages in seven minutes. Oh, sacrificial Samson. I'm kidding. Chapter 16, verse 23. The Philistine rulers had a great festival. Imagine this, a great festival. Offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. So they're having a party celebrating, having a good time. Probably a harvest party of some sort. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. Does that make you feel icky? Kind of make you want to poke somebody in the eye? I guess I'm the only one. If people are going to celebrate their victory over my God, I don't like that at all. Our God has given us victory over our enemy Samson. And when the people saw him, they they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. Our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. So they're celebrating that they have Samson captured and Samson and by relation, his God are powerless to us because Dagon has given us Our enemy, verse 25, half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he, so he was brought out from the prison to amuse them and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, this is the man who carried off the gates just a little bit ago. Now a young man is leading him around by the hand because his eyes are gouged out. Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. He was a mockery. Verse 27. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord. That word sovereign is a big word because it's recognizing that you are in control of all. In all of my bumbling through life and making bad decisions and being uh, uh, distracted by women and being powerful and bragging and singing about myself, you are the sovereign Lord. Remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. He's, he's broken. He recognizes I have no strength. If God will strengthen me one more time, with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people, so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire life. This is sacrificial Samson. His greatest accomplishment was when he sacrificed himself to God's purpose. That's 
It's where we started. God showed, the angel of the Lord shows up to Samson's parents and says, you're going to conceive a child. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord for the purpose of rescuing Israel from the Philistines. And now in his final act, as he surrenders his body to the purpose of God, he kills 3,000 Philistines. I think that there are two big takeaways from this story. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of takeaways, but here's two things that I want to point out that I think we need to internalize that don't necessarily fit into our theology over time. And somebody's going to be like, well, how is salvation in this? I think that we need to look at what God is doing here. Number one... God uses sinful people to accomplish his purpose. We get this vein of thought where God only uses his chosen people or those who are serving him, that he's only leading and guiding those people's lives. And that's not necessarily true. God uses sinful people to accomplish his purpose. This is not the only occasion. If you think you must be perfect before God will use you, then you're wrong. Your perfection or lack of perfection has, are you all right? Has nothing to do with God using you for his purposes. But I thought if I was good enough, then God would use me to do what I want to do. It's never about what you want to do. Hello. This is about God's glory, not your glory. If you think God should not use sinful people, then read your Bible. Only one time did God use a sinless person. Every single other time, God used a sinner to accomplish his purposes. So whenever Samson, I'll bet he turned his face towards heaven with his blind eyes and he said, Sovereign Lord, I thought I was the strongest man who could control my world. But obviously, you are. You are in control of those who are moral, and you are in control of those who are not moral. You are in control of the Israelites. You are even in control of the Philistines. Does that make sense? Number two, God uses us most when we surrender ourselves completely to him. Samson's largest victory was at his death. Scripture encourages us in the New Testament to die to ourselves so that we may be alive in Christ Jesus. We will never be more alive than when we die, when we surrender ourselves to God the Father. The more we sacrifice, sacrifice ourselves at the cross, the more Christ is resurrected in us. You want to live a little in God's glory? Then just give him a little of yourself. But if you want to live in the fullness of God's glory, then sacrifice your whole life. Give him your will. Give him your body as a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable not for your desires, but all for his glory. That's incredible, isn't it? We're so busy checking to make sure that we're being moral so that God can use us. God is not limited by your morality. God is sovereign. Well, what if God does, what if I do this? Is God gonna do that? Sweetheart, God's gonna do what God purposes to do regardless of little you. 
And that's why we can put our faith and our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, that no matter what happens in this world, that no matter what happens around us, or even in our own hearts and lives, we can look to him in faith and confidence and know that like Samson, we can call out to the sovereign Lord. Let's stand together and bow our heads. Father, we just thank you that we may fail miserably over and over and over. We do not look to ourselves for confidence because because there's nothing we can be confident in in and of ourselves. But we know that you are the sovereign God. You are Lord above all lords. You are King of kings. And we look to you knowing that only you can do the supernatural. So where we fall short and where we're weak and where we fail, you are strong and you succeed. And so we surrender ourselves wholly and completely to you, Father, that you would be glorified in our lives, that we would live our lives trusting that you are guiding us in your purposes no matter what. Father, we put our trust and our confidence in you so that you will be glorified in our, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our nation. Father, we give you ourselves this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.